So today in our last message in the Wild Goose series, we're, we're going to look at a story of a spectacular healing uh, told by the Apostle Luke and his account of the uh, early church called the Book of Acts will be in Acts chapter 14. But as we tell a story of a spectacular miracle, the, the struggle we all have is, why does God sometimes turn up so powerfully and respond miraculously to our prayers, and why does he sometimes not do it? In the first church where I served as a pastor, I was the associate pastor, a youth pastor, right out of school, and, and I served with this awesome lead pastor who was just a few years older than me, and he was full of passion for God to do the stuff that you see in the book of Acts. He was authentic, he was genuine, his passion was for real. He was a, a gifted preacher and a good guy to work with, but sometimes in his youthful passion, he, he took a leap of well-intentioned faith that uh, just didn't turn out well. This was a church uh, where we wanted to believe God for physical healing. And God did turn up and heal. And as you can appreciate, when, when God turns up and heals, that gets you all excited as you see the power of God at work and how he's just crazy in love with his people. There was a young woman, a, a young mom in our church family who came down uh, with cancer the prognosis was she, she didn't have long to live. This, this pastor, he, he wanted to see a healing breakthrough in her life. And, and what he decided to do was to take a huge leap of faith and create a situation where we would all see a genuine miracle happen. And truth be told, that was the desire of all of us in this smaller church. We wanted, desperately wanted to see a miracle in this woman's life. So the pastor brought this woman up to the front of the church, had the elders lay hands on her while we anointed her with oil, and he prayed with passion, declaring God's healing over her. It was a huge spectacle. I mean huge. It was well-intentioned, absolutely. Unfortunately, the cancer continued to move aggressively through her body, and she passed away. And with that, a deep cloud settled over the church for a period of time. Questions were whirling all over the place. I mean, does God answer prayer? Well, what does it take to get God to answer prayer? Is there a formula that we're not quite getting? Uh, is there something wrong with the pastor or with us as a church? We did get through that period of time uh, a little wiser without losing our faith in the God who does heal today. This was a time when I began to grab a hold of some solid teaching I, I received as a seminary student at uh, Tyndale Seminary in Toronto. It's, at the time, it was called Ontario Bible College and Ontario Theological Seminary. And I just want to quickly throw a few thoughts out that I learned back then that has helped me to wade through the complexity of why God sometimes heals and why sometimes he doesn't. So a quick dash through some seminary, seminary theology for our church family. You're up for it, right? In less than two weeks, we'll be celebrating Good Friday. This is where Jesus purchased our wholeness, our healing. The Apostle Peter describes what happened on the cross this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. What Jesus did on the cross was pay the penalty and undo the damage that sin has done in our world. Not just in your life and my life, but in all the world. 
He broke the power of the curse that has made such a mess of this world since the first sin of Adam and Eve. And what Jesus did by his death on the cross is he made it possible for your body to be whole, that is spiritually, mentally, and physically whole. But hey, the world is still such a mess. You and I, we still suffer a lot of different health issues, you know, physical stuff, mental stuff, addictions, uh, spiritual bondage. This pandemic is still crazy on so many fronts. What's up with all that? What the writers of the Bible want us to know is that we will not fully experience what Jesus did on the cross until he returns and establishes a new heaven and a new earth. What Jesus did on the cross is what we see promised in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. The Apostle John, in a vision of what the future holds for us, writes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Friends, a new world is coming. A new world that Jesus bought with his blood on the cross. In that world, you will be whole physically, mentally, spiritually, and you will live in a perfect world. This is what we call the eternal kingdom of God, heaven. But it is a kingdom that already exists. It is a kingdom we yearn for. It's a kingdom that Jesus taught a lot about. And Jesus, when he taught us to pray, one of the things he asked us to pray is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus was getting us to ask God to break into this uh, sin-wrecked world of ours with a taste of heaven right now. When we pray your kingdom come, we are praying that we would experience more and more of God's future kingdom paid for by the cross and see that kingdom break into our world now. We're praying for more and more of heaven to come to earth now. So hang on to that thought that God wants to bring more of heaven to earth and, and that God wants us to pray that he would bring more heaven to the hurt, the pain, the mess that we experience and that we see all over this world. Now, the first Sunday after Easter, we're, we're going to go into an eight-part message series on how to pray called Amen. We're, we're going to learn how to pray. We're, we're going to learn uh, how to bring a, a little more heaven to earth. We're, we're going to learn that there are different ways to pray. We'll wrestle with unanswered prayer. We'll, we'll talk about uh, something we call spiritual warfare and how our prayers have impact on the unseen world. This series called Amen, and it, it, we're just going to learn one of the most important things we need as followers of Jesus, how to pray. How to pray and bring a little more of heaven into the lives uh, of others and into our own lives. And, and one of the things we, we need to understand about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is that it is here, but not yet. Jesus would often say that the kingdom of heaven is near. We can pray that more and more of heaven would come to earth, but we won't fully experience the kingdom of heaven until eternity. 
it is here, but not yet. So we pray, but not every time we pray we'll get exactly what we're after, but we still pray because God has said when we pray, heaven breaks into earth. We'll unpack that a bit more in our Amen series after Easter. But I want to use this idea of praying heaven into earth as a backdrop to a a story we're going to read about in Acts chapter 14. So let's look at what the uh, Apostle Luke writes. Uh, He says, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. And at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now this is one powerful inbreaking of the kingdom of God. This is a taste of heaven on earth. It is one powerful miracle that took place in front of a large number of people with no real understanding of the Christian faith and really no understanding of the Jewish faith either. This is an unchurched, unsynagogued crowd who are spiritual but who worship other gods who are not God. And as you read this story, let me add, Who knows how many boils or headaches or fevers or slipped discs were also being healed by the ministry of the apostles, but just didn't rank up there to be included in Luke's writing of the book of Acts. Not every miracle is recorded in the Bible, just those that serve a specific God-given purpose for you and me today. And let me further add, who knows how many people Paul and Barnabas prayed for who did not get healed? Paul is honest that not everyone is healed. As a side comment in a letter he wrote to Timothy, he said, Erastus stayed in Corinth, but I left uh, Trophimus sick in Miletus. Not everyone Paul cared for and presumably prayed for was healed. What we see in this story is that uh, Paul saw that he, talking about this lame guy from birth, had faith to be healed. What does this mean? Does it mean that divine healing will only happen when the sick person has enough faith to make it happen? Well, no, because if you go back to what Luke writes in Acts chapter 3, where there is a healing of another lame man at the temple gate, nothing is said or implied that the faith of the lame man there had anything to do with his healing. Peter just extends healing to this guy as an act of compassion. The guy was asking for money, not healing. Peter prayed that he'd be healed. Both healings are heaven breaking into earth. It's God's kingdom breaking into earth as it is in heaven. And in this case, we have the faith of the guy being healed, and we have the faith of the Apostle Paul at work here. Here's what Luke tells us. Paul saw that this guy had had faith to be healed, even though he doesn't know Jesus yet. And so Paul called out, Stand up on your feet, and at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. So what's going on here? It's not just the guy's faith. Paul is listening for the Spirit. Paul is asking God, what does he want to do in this situation? And Paul hears God speak to him. He's going to heal this guy. So Paul prays what I'll call a command prayer. He speaks authoritatively to the guy to stand up. And he jumps up, and Paul speaks, and this lame guy from birth jumps up and begins to walk. Paul had heard from God, and the lame man leaped and walked. Amazing. 
We're going to learn a little more about listening to God and getting personal direction from God in our message series called Amen on prayer after Easter. If you're getting the impression I think this might be one important message series, you're right. Back to what's happening in Lystra. Friends, if you're ever going to speak authoritatively and and tell a lame person to get up and walk, you'd better be sure that you have heard from God before you do that. There, there, are teacher, there are churches that teach that all you have to do is name it and claim it. All you have to do is exercise enough faith and declare it into being. That's a, a bit of a misunderstanding of how faith works in these days. And again, we'll talk more about that after Easter. Now, this is the last message in our Wild Goose series. And We're about to see once again how following the wild goose can get messy, how following the wild goose is not always safe, that sometimes the ride can get a bit rough. But no matter how rough the ride, it is amazing because it is God who is leading you and then moving powerfully through you. Uh, Let's read further uh, into the story and see what the wild goose has led Paul and Barnabas into. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Remember, this is a crowd that knows almost nothing about Jesus. And as the hysteria develops over this incredible miracle, they assume that Paul and Barnabas cannot be human. They must be gods because humans just don't speak a command and cause lame people to walk. And what Paul and Barnabas didn't know that scholars have since uncovered is that the people of Lister believed in a legend that was core to their spirituality. The legend was that Zeus and Hermes had once visited the city, but no one showed these gods any hospitality except for one elderly couple. So Zeus and Hermes killed the rest of the people and rewarded the elderly couple. Now, seeing this incredible miracle, the people quickly assumed that Zeus and Hermes had come back and, and they didn't want to offend Zeus and Hermes and possibly die like their ancestors did. They, they wanted to be blessed like that older, elderly couple. And so they instantly shower Paul and Barnabas with gifts and they offer worship and they want to sacrifice to them as gods lest they get wiped out again. And the Apostle Luke writes... But when the apostles Barnabas and Luke, I mean, when the the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then we read, even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Paul and Barnabas uh, explained to them who Jesus is and that he is the one who did the miracle and that they need to turn to the one true God, Jesus. And by the way, many did believe the message and a church got started in that city. But this is one wild scene and it gets worse, much worse. Some Jewish people from Antioch, uh, who I believe have intentionally come to Lystra to oppose the work of the apostles, they take advantage of the hysteria and they turn this easily manipulated crowd around. Luke continues, 
Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside of the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Isn't it fun and safe when you follow the wild goose, going where he leads you? You might just get stoned, dragged out of the city, and left for dead. Friends, if you want a safe and comfortable faith, it is not Christianity. You just won't find safe and comfortable in the Bible. You will find purpose, adventure, Holy Spirit empowerment, life to the full. You will be used by God in powerful ways for the good of other people, but safety and comfort is never guaranteed. Christians like to say, the safest place to be is in the will of God. I don't think so. The best place to be, the most amazing place to be, is in God's will. Life to the full is found in God's will, but there's no absolute promise of safety. By the way, Bible teachers and scholars debate whether Paul actually died here and was raised back to life or whether he was just pummeled to near death and was raised back to health. Either way, another miracle of heaven is breaking into earth as the apostles come around Paul's left-for-dead body, and I'm sure they're praying, and then he just gets up, apparently unscathed, and moves on to the next city for his next preaching mission. That's God's kingdom breaking into earth as it is in heaven. It's a miracle. But you know, I wish that every time I prayed or that you prayed that God would turn up and do the miraculous. It's just not going to happen the way we always want it to happen. But here's what we need to learn from Jesus himself and from what we see happening in the book of Acts. Our God wants you and me to pray more and more of heaven, that more and more of heaven would come to earth today. We won't see it fully happen until eternity, but it is our privilege today to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On the cross, Jesus purchased our healing, our wholeness, physically, mentally, spiritually. He asks us to pray that the work of the cross that we will not fully experience until eternity, even so, we can pray that it would be experienced more and more today. He asks us to pray that more of heaven would come to you, to your home, to your friends, this city, our world. The story I opened up with of the passionate prayers of the lead pastor I first had did not result in the answer that we were praying for. Cancer won that battle. But I tell you, I have seen God push cancer back and bring healing against all odds. I have seen God heal. We at Fort City have seen God heal. The Apostle James, the brother of Jesus, says, you do not have because you do not ask. So will you do that? Will you ask? Ask for a bit more of heaven to turn up in your life, the life of those in your home, your family, your friends. Ask for a little bit more of heaven. And remember, this is how our God describes himself. For I am the Lord who heals you. Friends, God is still able to heal the lame from birth so that they will jump up and walk. Will you join me for a time of prayer? Father God, my prayer is real simple now. Would your kingdom come to our church family, to the people of our city and across our country 
as it is in heaven. Will you touch people who are watching this service where, wherever they are and whenever they're watching, touch them and heal them at their point of need? And would you make yourself visible through us as we live and love like you, as we become instruments of your healing love in the lives of others, in our friends, in our family, in our co-workers? We pray all this in the healing name of Jesus. Amen.